demand equality. We demand justice. The revolution will not be televised. Action speaks louder than words, and we got that action. Let's go. I want my freedom, my justice, my future filled with substance. Want my freedom, my justice, my future filled with substance. Bump you, bump you, bump him and her too. Bump you, bump you, bump him and her too. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and family, brothers and sisters, and everybody else, welcome to the No Justice, No Peace podcast with Racial Justice Now director, H.A. Jabbar, and yes, that is me. We are here and excited to be hosting our first podcast covering all things education justice. In the future, we will be hosting guests from around the nation and the world discussing all things education justice. But because this is the first podcast, we're going to lay a little foundation, give you a little understanding about what the education justice movement is, what's it all about, give you a little understanding of who is racial justice now, what is the work that they do, what have they done, and give you a little bit of understanding around some powerful reports we have confronting the education debt done by the Alliance to Reclaim Our Schools, also failing Brown versus Board, a continuous struggle against inequality in public education done by the Journey for Justice Alliance, or J4J. And then we also have a book written by Professor Mark Warren called Lift Us Up, Don't Push Us Out. So to get started, who is racial justice now? What is the work that Racial Justice Now does? Racial Justice Now is dedicated to ending institutional and systemic anti-Black racism. As you can see, that's a very specific type of racism. So Racial Justice Now is dedicated to ending institutional and systemic anti-Black racism. We organize for systemic changes in policies and implementation around racial, educational, and other social justice issues in the city of Dayton, around the entire state of Ohio, also in the Maryland, Virginia, and D.C. areas. We are the organized, disenfranchised, poor, and working class Black people speaking and acting in our own best interest. The pillars of racial justice now are organizing, advocacy, policy, and leadership development. Racial Justice Now was founded in 2011 by Professor Emeritus Vernelia Randall of the University of Dayton Law School and Zakia Sankar Jabbar in the city of Dayton. Professor Randall and Zakia were troubled by the lack of adequate organization in response to issues of racial injustice. Professor Randall has been a staunch advocate for a community her entire professional career and Zakia Sankar Jabbar was forced into organizing when her three-year-old son was being expelled from preschool. Sankar Jabbar quickly realized that her experience was happening to other Black parents all over Ohio and all over the nation. After many numerous campaign successes and statewide and national recognition for their work, Zakia Sankar Jabbar and Professor Randall continued their work in other areas. Zakia is the national field organizer for the Dignity in Schools campaign 
and Professor Randall is an active retiree. As of February 2017, Racial Justice Now came under the directorship of his former communications coordinator and husband to Zakia, Hashem Jabbar. Again, that is me. Racial Justice Now parents and youth are directed by parent and youth organizers Cameron Walker and Josh Harrison. So what are some of the successful campaigns? What are some of the wins? What are some of the things that Racial Justice Now, a grassroots organization, has achieved since 2011? Check out the, the win column. Racial Justice Now has led successful campaigns to have restorative justice and practices put in 10 schools, school buildings, staffed with full-time positive school climate teachers in Dayton Public Schools. They have had all zero tolerance language removed from the student code of conduct. RJN has had parents added to the student code of conduct committee and the Dayton Public Schools Policy Committee. RJN released the first ever state of Ohio school discipline report card, the only one of its kind. RJN organized to get the third National Office of Males of Color put in Dayton Public Schools. It's also the first in the state of Ohio. RJN won a local moratorium on all out of school suspensions for pre K in Dayton Public Schools system, meaning that there are no longer allowed to have out-of-school suspensions for pre-K students in Dayton Public Schools. RJN won a change in curriculum for Dayton Public Schools, adding culturally relevant books as mandatory reading, such as Booker T. Washington's Up From Slavery. And lastly, a successful campaign from Racial Justice Now, a statewide win, was that the governor successfully signed HB 318 or House Bill 318 into law, a statewide ban on all out-of-school suspensions for pre-K through third grade students in Ohio. Now, if I can't uh, say it for myself, I'll say it for others. If I can't say it for others, I'll say it for myself. Racial justice now as a grassroots organization has done amazing work showing that when we fight, we can win. Showing that the grassroots organizers can absolutely make change in their school districts, in their communities, in all of the areas of life, whether it's the city commission, whether it's public housing, whether it's education, we can make a difference as grassroots organizers. So that's a little bit about racial justice now. Uh, some of the campaigns that we have going on is uh, the Every Student Succeeds Act. We have a campaign to support counselors, not cops. We have a campaign to promote emotional emancipation healing or healing practices. That's in collaboration with the Community Healing Network. We have a campaign to promote the Cultural Imperative Initiative with Baba Anthony T. Browder, internationally known scholar and cultural historian. We call it the Browder Scholars Program. We have young people throughout Dayton that come and read about the Browder Files, his bestseller book, to give them an understanding of their rich heritage, history, and culture, the same culture that is not shared with them Monday through Friday at the schools that we pay our tax dollars for them to go to. And also we have a campaign, our, our third year campaign to promote culturally relevant curriculum 
and culturally responsive schools. If you would like to see more about our culturally relevant curriculum toolkit, you can do so at rjnohio.org backslash crctk. So racial justice now has been on the front line of the education justice movement. We have partnered with national organizations to help us move our organization forward and has certainly helped to bring that list of wins, that list of W's, that list of change that we brought to our community members showing that we can fight back and win. And this was largely done in support of our national partners, the Dignity in Schools campaign, also the Journey for Justice Alliance. So I wanna help you get familiar as we're getting familiar with the education justice movement. What is education justice? What is the education justice movement? Well, let's look at what the Dignity in Schools campaign says about the work that they do to get us a little bit more familiar. The Dignity in Schools campaign challenges the systemic problem of pushout in our nation's schools and works to dismantle the school to prison pipeline. As a national coalition, the Dignity in Schools campaign builds power amongst parents, youth, organizers, advocates, and educators to transform their own communities, support alternatives to a culture of zero tolerance, punishment, criminalization, and the dismantling of public schools and fight racism and all forms of oppression. We bring together our members through direct action organizing, public policy advocacy, and leadership development to fight for the human right of every young person to a quality education and to be treated with dignity. That's the mission of the Dignity in Schools campaign, but let's dig into some of the words. What is this word when they say push out? Push out is when a child is punished, particularly suspended for small minor infractions, such as talking out in class, such as being disruptive, such as a uniform violation. This is no reason to suspend a child, but because this is a setup to put the child in prison, they call it a school push-out because they push him out of the school into the streets. What is that child to do day in and day out when their parents have to work and they've been suspended for school for chewing gum, for talking back, for speaking out in class? There is a higher likelihood that a child will end up in the juvenile detention system when they are pushed out through heavy punitive actions of out-of-school suspensions consistently such as the zero tolerance type suspensions. So this language that they call zero tolerance, this language that's put in the student code of conduct, this language that's created a, a rule book for teachers and administrators to help what they call push out. So this language of zero tolerance policies is again in the student code of conduct which you heard earlier, Racial Justice Now has helped remove. So this zero tolerance language is all over the nation. It's all over our school systems, in our school districts, and they are providing a way to aid teachers, to aid administrators in pushing our children out of school and into the juvenile justice and ultimately prison system. So we see a little bit of that work that the Dignity in Schools campaign does. Let's look at our other ally and our national partner, the Journey 
for Justice Alliance or J for J. The Journey for Justice Alliance is intentionally creating a space for organized, low-income, and working-class communities who are directly impacted by top-down privatization and school closing efforts. Have you heard cities like Chicago close 20 or 30 schools? Cities like DC, cities like Newark, cities like Oakland closing mass schools? Well, J4J is an organization that fights back against that. It says, our member organizations are built and led primarily by parents and youth of color, and we fight unapologetically for community-driven school improvement that allows us to be genuine and in the forefront. The promise of public education has not yet been realized, but we know what it will take. Journey for Justice is just that, a journey for the rights of our children and our neighborhoods. So as we are growing into understanding of what education justice is, of what the education justice movement is about, we're gonna lift up a book called Lift Us Up, Don't Push Us Out by Mr. Mark Warren. Now this book is illuminating the struggles and triumphs of the emerging educational justice movement. This anthology tells the stories of how black and brown parents, students, educators, and their allies are fighting back against systemic inequalities and the mistreatment of children of color in low-income communities. To address the racism within our education system and in society, the contributors argue what is needed is a movement led by those most affected by injustice, students of color and their parents, that builds alliances across sectors and with other social justice movements, covering such things as labor rights, the school to prison pipeline, immigration, and other issues such as police and schools. So this great book, Lift Us Up, Don't Push Us Out, features the co-founder of Racial Justice Now, Zakia Sankara-Jabbar, who happens to be my beautiful wife. So as we look in this book, as we delve deeper into the meaning of what education justice is and the education movement, I want to give you a, a little preview from the introduction of Mark Warren. It says, this book features voices from the front lines of a new movement for educational justice that is growing across the United States. Each author tells the story of how black and brown parents, students, educators, and their allies are fighting back against profound and systemic inequalities and mistreatment of children of color in low-income communities. These activists are advancing a vision for humane, high-quality, and culturally relevant education. We desperately need a new way forward. Reforming traditional schools through high-stake testing has hit a dead end. The charter school movement has been taken over by corporate-backed reformers who offer choice but no real improvement in educational opportunity. In fact, charter schools have some of the harshest discipline and highest suspension rates of all schools while failing to educate children any better. We are stuck either defending the public schools as they are 
or privatizing them. The contributor to this book challenged both entrenched district officials and traditional public schools, as well as school privatizers, because neither addresses the systemic nature of racism in our education system and in the broader society. The failures of public education are a profound racial injustice issue. They must be addressed as such by building a broad social movement committed to educational justice. This book tells the story of how parents, young people, educators, and their allies are building that movement today. It is a call to action for those who care deeply about the lives of all American children and want this country to overturn its history of racial oppression to become a land of opportunity and an inclusive democracy for all. This is a powerful introduction uh, by Mr. Mark Warren, giving you a little insight into this great movement that is called the Education Justice Movement. As I stated before, Zakia Sankar Jabbar, co-founder of Racial Justice Now, is featured in the first chapter or first story of this book. It's called, I Can't Make a Teacher Love My Son, A Black Parent's Journey to Racial Justice Organizing. Zakia Sankar Jabbar described how her African-American son was pushed out of one preschool after another for minor behavioral issues. She formed Racial Justice Now to provide a voice for parents like herself facing racism in schools. In a few years, the group won a moratorium on pre-K suspensions in Dayton, Ohio schools, changed the district's code of conduct to end zero-tolerance policies, won the implementation of restorative justice in 10 schools, and issued school discipline report cards for school districts across Ohio. Zakia reflects on what the experience of Black boys tells us about anti-Black racism in American society and the transformation of parents of color into movement builders. This is a powerful read by Mr. Mark Warren, again, called Lift Us Up, Don't Push Us Out, Voices from the Front Lines of the Educational Justice Movement. So again, I'm H.A. Jabbar, Director of Racial Justice Now, as you listen to the No Justice, No Peace podcast, and we are addressing all things education justice. As we move on with our show, Again, as we lay that foundation for our future podcasts, trying to get a little bit of understanding about what education justice is and what the education justice movement is all about. Let's look at a report called Confronting the Education Debt. It says we owe billions to black, brown, and low-income students and their schools. You might think that we're talking about reparations, well, that's a great subject to talk about. But no, we're not talking about reparation. We're talking about monies that were supposed to be given to black and brown students in their communities, but were held back. This report is from September of 2018. You can find it on reclaimourschools.org. That's reclaimourschools.org. And it's done by the Alliance to Reclaim Our Schools. And we're so thankful to uh, Arrows or the Alliance to Reclaim Our Schools for putting this together. The report says that between 2005 and 2017, public schools in the United States were underfunded by 580 
billion dollars in federal dollars alone. Money that was specifically targeted to support 30 million of our most vulnerable students. Over that same period, the personal net worth of the nation's 400 wealthiest individuals grew by $1.57 trillion. Now we're talking about education, justice, and why we need a no justice, no peace podcast because of crooked, wicked, evil individuals that put in systems to keep this injustice going. So as we look at this report, I'm reading from the introduction, and it says, while acknowledging the historic nature of the education debt, this report takes a snapshot of time, the years between 2005 and 2017. A student who entered kindergarten in 2005 would have graduated from high school this past May. We use that time frame to explore the decisions and trends that have continued to deny black and brown low-income students access to the schools they deserve while enhancing the bank accounts of the richest Americans. Based on the data compiled, we found that U.S. schools were underfunded by $580 billion alone. This persistent sabotage of public schools in black, brown, and low-income communities is evident at all levels in local, state, and federal education policy, keyword policy. As our elected officials have stripped funding from schools, they have also presided over the systemic transfer of wealth from public to private hands. This is why we need this No Justice, No Peace podcast. This is why we need an education justice movement. This is why grassroots organizers, parents, and those directly affected have decided to fight back. This powerful report from Arrows, the Alliance to Reclaim Our Schools, has hit on some powerful topics, such as noting that since 2005, the federal underpayment to states to help provide services to students with disabilities has reached $233 billion. How much more could your school do with $233 billion? How much more could the schools across the nation in the brown and black communities do with $233 billion? Now look at this comparison. In Monmouth, Illinois, where 80% of students are low income, students are provided $7,808 per pupil in total expenditures. Now, just across the lake, in Lake Forest, Illinois, where 3% of students are low income, the district spends $26,074 per student over three times more. Now, what is the difference that is being offered to the low-income student to the student that is not considered low-income? $26,000 per student versus $7,800? Somebody's receiving a different education. So it is this type of policy, it is this type of systemic practice that is keeping the poor poor and making the rich richer. This is what I call criminal. 
This is what I call evil. This is what I call wicked. So I'm giving you a understanding as a baseline today of what the education justice is, why it's being fought, and what's going on out here in these streets. The United States Department of Education reports that 1.6 million students in the United States attend a school that has hired a law enforcement officer, but no school counselor. We have hired a law enforcement officer, but no school counselor. So what is that communicating to our students? That they are not worthy of help, of assistance, of healing, but they are worthy to be arrested, to attend jail, to do long sentences, to be put in cages. That's what's being communicated. So this is a powerful report. I hope you look it up. Racial Justice Now was proud to be a part of the press release that released this report in September of 2018. And that's done by the Alliance to Reclaim Our Schools. A lot of powerful information that we're sharing to you today. You can find more information at rjnohio.org. That's Racial Justice Now. That's rjnohio.org. There's groups all over the country that are engaged in this fight to get police out of schools, that are engaged in this fight to stop the racial disparities, which is a big word that means one specific race is being targeted while another is not. There's extreme racial disparities in out-of-school suspensions and suspensions in general. The black students, the brown students, we find are expelled and suspended at extremely higher rates than their white counterparts or any other counterparts. And this is a system, a part of the process that is pushing students out of school and into the pipeline to prison. Do you know that prisons are being traded publicly on the New York Stock Exchange? That if you decided today that you wanted to buy stock in private prisons, that you could do so? Did you know that that stock price of that private prison is dependent upon full occupancy? Let me say that again, full occupancy of prisoners. So when they're similar to a hotel, when there is low occupancy, the hotel is making less money or the jail, the prison, is making less money. So there is a society need because elected officials and others have put into place the system of private prison, also called the industrial prison complex. And they're putting our young people, now there's been judges who've been caught red-handed for receiving payoffs to put young people in jails. Why did they get that payoff? Because money is being made through private prison. It is a monetary gain for the evil, for the wicked, to put young people, particularly black and brown students, in the school to prison pipeline. So again, as we lay this foundation on what the education justice movement is, we're gonna be looking at this report done by the Journey for Justice Alliance at j4jalliance.com. That's J number four, J alliance.com.
In J4J, released a report calling Failing Brown versus Board, a continuous struggle against inequality in public education. Brown versus Board was supposed to level the playing field and desegregate schools. Brown versus Board was supposed to create equal opportunity for Black students to receive the same education as their white counterparts. Brown versus Board was set up because the schools were segregated, which is not so much the problem, but the Black schools received extreme less resources, books, tables, pencils, chairs, paid teachers, paid staff, facilities, and the like than their counterparts. So when you have a system, these varied parts that create the whole, this brings the extreme problem that the education justice movement has to dismantle. So as we look at this report called Failing Brown versus Board, the introduction states that the Journey for Justice Alliance defines education as the experience of inspiration and information that prepares young people for successful adulthood and to positively impact society. We assert that all students deserve the right to a public education that not only teaches them the basics of reading, writing, and math, but also serves as a portal to hold the possible, the chance to see and experience a wide range of academic and artistic paths to follow as they become productive adults. This experience has been systematically denied to black and brown children in the United States. It has been more than 50 years since the United States Congress established a federal program, the Elementary and Secondary Act, explicitly designed to help close the gap between the educational opportunities available to white and more affluent white children and those available to low-income children and children of color. While much has changed in the interim, the gap remains. Today, children of color and those living in poverty are disproportionately denied the most challenging and engaging educational experiences. The resources, disparities between predominantly white schools and those that serve majorities of low-income African-American and Latino children continue to be nearly as stark as they were 50 years ago. Now, there was a term used in there that talks about the education gap. And we have to talk about that education gap because we have to get familiar and deeply familiar with the use of words because we've been tricked with words and we've been lied to with words and we've been created, uh, we have unfortunately created misunderstanding using words. So let's talk about that education gap. Going back to the Alliance to Reclaim Our Schools information, the report that they did confronting the education debt the report embraces Gloria Ladson's billing's theory. In 2006, the then president of American Educational Research Association, Gloria Ladson Billings, introduced the concept of educational debt or education debt. Focusing solely on the achievement gap, she argued, failed to acknowledge the historic economics 
socio-political and moral foundations of the disparate educational outcomes between white students and students of color. Confronting the educational debt by the Alliance to Reclaim Our School embraces Gloria Ladson's Billings theory and argues that still today, the relative disenfranchisement of communities of color has allowed elected policymakers to pursue priorities that deny millions of children the educational opportunities that they deserve. Instead of funding our schools, policy decisions are made that increase personal and corporate wealth, drawing down public revenue in the process. Instead of funding our schools, we have seen an explosion of policies that criminalize black and brown communities, including staffing their schools with police officers instead of guidance counselors. Instead of funding public schools, privatization through charters and vouchers soaks up education dollars and strips the budgets of traditional public school districts. All of these trends continue to compound the education debt. Let me say it again, not the education gap, but the education debt. While acknowledging the historic nature of the education debt, this report takes a snapshot of time between the years of 2005 and 2015, and again, points to the fact that public schools were underfunded by $580 billion in federal dollars alone. Again, we can't say anything other than criminal, uh, anything other than unjust, anything other than wicked, anything other than evil. This is an attempt to keep the poor poor and to make the rich richer. Education is that area in life that can push a group of people forward and beyond the state where they are. So those that have power and those that are policymakers have put systems into place to keep black and brown communities at the lowest rung of education. This is why we need a education justice movement and why we need education justice. So this report, jumping back to failing Brown versus Board by the Journey for Justice Alliance or J4J Alliance, concludes that the refusal to offer black and brown children the same resources and educational opportunities that are offered to white and wealthy children continues to be a national crisis that has yet to be acknowledged or addressed by those in positions of power. The snapshot presented here and in the information that follows points to a stark and indefensible disparities. Black and brown students are given fewer opportunities, fewer opportunities to pursue their interests, to take the kinds of courses in high school that will prepare them to higher learning, higher paying careers, and well-rounded lives. There are no excuses. How and why do these disparities happen? In many cases, the range of curricular and extracurricular offerings are dictated by decisions about school budgeting. Funding for public education has declined dramatically in a number of states over the past decade. Resource gaps between schools with majorities of black and brown children and schools that are majority white are often embedded in state and local funding formulas. 
In addition, the rapid proliferation of charter schools and so-called student-based budgeting, both implemented disproportionately in high poverty districts, has led to declining enrollment in and therefore funding for schools serving our most vulnerable students. And federal dollars intended specifically to increase educational opportunity to disadvantaged students have never been fully funded. Together, public schools and black and brown communities have been crippled by policies that sabotage their chances of success. In this report, Failing Brown versus Board, it featured Racial Justice Now on page 49 of the report. And it talks about the high school offerings, the inequities in Ohio towns. And we are able to see a, a snapshot of the offerings of Dayton Public School compared to a suburb of Dayton, Oakwood High School. And just one example of the many courses that are not offered in Dayton Public Schools as compared to Oakwood High School is that Oakwood High School offers 13 world languages as compared to Belmont High School offers two. Now let's think about this again. 13 world languages. Now languages will give you the opportunity to get into specific colleges, to take specific courses, to be open to more travel and cultural exchanges, to be able to apply for specific types of jobs. So in a suburb of Dayton, Oakwood High School, 13 world languages are available compared to two at Belmont High School that are available at the Dayton Public School System. So this is just a small snapshot without addressing math, without addressing sciences, without addressing the other subjects that are not offered in Dayton Public Schools as compared to schools offered in higher income areas. Again, that report is from Failing Brown versus Board, a continuous struggle against inequity in public education by the Journey for Justice Alliance. We're so thankful again to have you here on the No Justice, No Peace podcast as we lay this foundation of what exactly the education justice movement is, of what exactly education justice is, so as we wind this podcast down, addressing the tragedies that happened in Newtown, Connecticut, in Parkland, Florida, two white males shot up schools and changed the whole national conversation around police and schools. Unfortunately, as you will find in my op-ed on the root.com, black and brown students and black and brown schools are policed much more heavily than white or suburban schools. To put young people in the school to prison pipeline, it helps to have a police officer there instead of a counselor. It helps to have a police officer or a uh, booking station like they did in Chicago, have it right inside the school. So if you talk out in class or if you disrespect a teacher, or if you uh, say something you shouldn't have said or don't have your shirt tucked in for your uniform, then you can be put in to the school to pipeline prison. This tragedy in Parkland, Florida, brought to light many of these issues around policing and schools. People have brought up the thought of having teachers carry guns or have access to guns. Let me tell you this. In the state of Ohio, 
a study done by the Schott Foundation found out that 100% of students in pre-K that were suspended or expelled from school were black boys. 100% of students in pre-K that were suspended or expelled were black boys. So would that statistic go from being suspended or expelled to being shot by their teacher? 100% of students shot by their teacher were black boys. Is that what it will be or what it will become? So this conversation around school safety and school security is one that we're going to pick up on our next podcast. And we just want to be thankful to Racial Justice Now for their grassroots organizing. We want to be thankful to our founders, Zakia Sankar Jabbar and Professor Vernelia Randall for their grassroots organizing, for their wins that they established to show the world that we can fight back and we can certainly win from the grassroots level. So as we wrap this thing up, feel free to check us out at rjnohio.org. And don't be scared to drop a donation. Don't be scared to send the email of a thank you or a question. Don't be scared to hit the donation button. This work uh, is not done for free. Although we've done extreme work out of love, they call it in-kind dollars. <laughs> I call them in-love dollars. And so with all of that said, we are in love with the education justice movement. We are in love with our children, and we deserve justice in education. So I am H.A. DeBar, Director of Racial Justice Now, and this has been the No Justice, No Peace podcast. So continue to listen. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your mother, tell your father, tell your auntie, tell your neighbor, tell your sister, tell your brother to tune in to the No Justice, No Peace podcast with Racial Justice Now Director H.A. Jabbar. And yes, that is me. Hit us up at rjnohio.org, rjndmv.org. My email is h-a-j-a-b-a-r at rjnohio.org. I look forward to hearing from you. I look forward to seeing you and talking with you and dialoguing with you on our next upcoming podcast. We will be hosting guests from all around the nation and we're in the world. We'll be discussing all things education justice. So I'm your brother, H.A. Jabbar, the director of Racial Justice Now, and this has been the No Justice, No Peace podcast. Wishing you peace and blessings. I'm a yelling with my fist up in the air. I love my dark skin and my nappy hair. Crooked politicians see him everywhere. Bump 45, we know that he don't care. To the system, cause y'all never treat us equal. Dirty cops, why y'all killing all my people? All the lies in the history they teach you. A black mind is a weapon and it's lethal. If you don't like it, cause this is a revolution. I can take a knee, it's in the Constitution. Mount Rushmore was sculpted by the Klan. With my fist up, I'm screaming, bump the man. I want my freedom, my justice, my future built with substance. Want my freedom, my justice, my future built with substance. Bump you, bump you, bump him and her too. Bump you, bump you, bump him and her too. I want my freedom, my justice, my future built with substance. Want my freedom, my justice, my future built with substance. Bump you, bump you, bump him and her too. Bump you, bump you, bump him and